We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome into another edition of Pete's Pigskin Preview presented by Riverland Roofing. I'm Neil McCready. That is MPW Digital Football Expert Pete DeWeese back for another week of easily the most popular show on uh, this network. We certainly appreciate all of you who have uh, watched. Those of you who have listened, we beg you, those of you who are listening to watch because I think it would enhance your experience. But if you want to listen, that's cool. It's free country for now. And you should uh, you should do that. That's fine. Please tell a friend, share it, uh, all those things on social media. We'd appreciate all of those things here at MPW. Uh, before we dive into the show, we're going to preview, obviously, pretty big game this weekend in Athens. Ole Miss uh, coming off a 38-35 to win over Texas A&M. That was last Saturday. It feels like it was like two weeks ago at this point. But 38-35 Ole Miss over Texas A&M. Great game. Uh, one that Ole Miss kind of dominated, but. It ended up being close, but the Rebels won because that's what they do this year. They win close games, 38 to 35. And Ole Miss now 8 and 1 overall, 5 and 1 in the Southeastern Conference. They head to Athens, Georgia to play uh, the Georgia Bulldogs, who are ranked number one in every poll except for the BCS poll or the F, what's it called? The uh, football playoff, whatever, whatever. The CFP, CFP poll. They're ranked number two in that poll, which is probably what they'll use as ammunition this week to motivate. They're uh, they're number two this week in the CFP poll. Georgia winners of 26 games in a row. Uh, the winners of the past two national championships. They've not lost in Athens in five seasons. They're having uh, quite a historic run there. These are the good old days for the Bulldogs. They're living them right this moment. Uh, Georgia's about a 10.5, 11-point favorite. We'll talk about that game in a moment. 6 p.m. Central, 7 p.m. Eastern on ESPN. But I'll tell you that this show, as it has been all season, has been brought to you, is being brought to you by Riverland Roofing. Would you like some peace of mind knowing that your roof is being taken care of? Whether you need an inspection, a new roof, or a maintenance program, Riverland Roofing has you covered. Home or business, as a GAF Master Elite contractor, they can offer warranties that last a lifetime. Licensed and insured, Riverland Services, Mississippi and its surrounding states. So text or call Riverland today at 662-644-4297. This show, like all other shows, brought to you by Twisted Tea. I'll tell you more about Twisted Tea a little bit later in the show. But for now, I want to welcome Pete DeWeese onto the Campbell Clinic Hotline. Pete, how are you, sir? I'm 75 miles from Athens and still wearing my old Miss gear. So, but I'm I'm good. We'll see how I'm see how that goes on. On Monday. So I was telling you this, 
and I think 90-something percent of the people agree with it. It's my little exercise. We'll do hand-raised guys on Thursday, and for the people who are doubters, I will ask this question. You're an Ole Miss fan. If I had offered you in August, if I'd said, all right, Pete, here we go, behind door number one, I've got a 10-2 and two Ole Miss season. I'm going to go ahead and give you some details. 10-2, and 6-2 and two in the SEC, wins over Mississippi State and LSU, undefeated at home, and an access bowl. That is what I'm offering you, Mr. DeWeese, behind door number one. Here are your choices. Would you like to take door number one? Or would you like to press your luck and see what's behind door number two? What's your decision, Pete? I, you know, I, I think one, I think if you told me, gave me that information, I think I'd be able to look at the schedule and guess who the two losses were from. Yeah. Um, of course, I wouldn't know what those losses looked like. Were they close? Were they blowouts? But I, you'd be hard-pressed to turn that down. I mean, that, that's just reality. It's it's That's not to belittle anything about this team and their accomplishments and what they may or may not be able to do this weekend against UGA. But just, you know, it, it, to say that in two of the past three years you've gone 10 and 2, and, and you've put yourself in situations to play in major bowl games, that's not good for Ole Miss. That is good for almost every program in the country, period. Yeah, I was telling you, if if you play that out, that would mean that Ole Miss won 28 of its last 38 games. And And when you hear that number and you take into account the slide at the end of the season last year. Yeah. It, it really makes the rest of it feel even more impressive in a lot of ways. But even if you include the slide, there are only it, two teams in the league, Georgia and Alabama, that would go, no, 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 we're good. We'll 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 take our chances with, on ourselves. Everybody else would be like, yeah, dude, I mean, we'll take that. I mean, unlike there's a bunch of teams in the league that would be like, um, my pants just got tight. Yeah, we'll really take that. We'll yeah. my heart rate once it slows down, I'll really take that. I mean, I mean it's 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 a phenomenal accomplishment if that's where it goes. And I, I say that to say this. It's my opinion, and it's Lane Kiffin's opinion, at least publicly stated, that this is a free shot. This is house money. This is what you dream of, really. Is hey, there's not a lot to lose, assuming that you beat ULM and that you beat Mississippi State. Now, if you lose to one of them, different conversation. But assuming Absolutely. that you assuming that you beat those two teams, and Ole Miss certainly should, 10-2 and two is going to almost certainly get you into an access bowl. If it doesn't get you into an access bowl, you're playing a Big Ten team in Orlando on, in the Citrus Bowl, which is an accomplishment in and of itself. So the Citrus Bowl is your floor at that point, and more likely you're going to the Peach or the Cotton or the Orange or the Fiesta. You're going to a big-time bowl. And even with the win, and this is the part that I've tried to explain to people where they go, well, a loss is just such a devastating. No, it's not. Even with the win at 11 and one, you got to have a considerable amount of help from around the country that you have zero control over to get into the college football playoff. You would have to have help from the, 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 the big 12, uh, probably the pac 12, probably somebody beating Florida state in the, in the ACC title game. Uh, you might even need some chaos in the Big Ten. I don't know. You need a lot of stuff. Like the, the the computers have worked it out. If Ole Miss ran the table, they have a twenty three percent chance of making the CFP, which is awesome. 
but that means you have a 77% chance that you don't. So if you're putting the little marbles in the ball, in the, there's going to be a lot more of the red marbles than there will be the green marbles, if you will. <laughs> so, I mean, it, it's, it's not a certainty that you're getting there. In fact, it's far from it. It's not even a likelihood. It's not even a one quarter chance. It's, it's a three quarters plus chance that you still get left out, which makes it a completely free shot in any world. And it's like Lane Kiffin said, you're playing with house money. You're, you're just, you go for it. It would be a monumental win. It would, it would give your program so much publicity. You'd give a two, two, two and a half, three week conversation about what is, what has to happen for Ole Miss to make the playoff. Uh, recruits would love it. All of those things, but you're not losing anything other than the aforementioned conversation about making the playoff by losing the game no matter how you lose no i mean no and 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 here's here's the thing and you i've had a chance to listen a little bit more and watch a little bit more this week um of of some of the the different media things going on and a lot of what you guys have done and i believe it was you that alluded to it you know one thing you can't do is lose this game twice. Yeah. And I, you know, you, you can't, you can't go into this game and in your locker room, you have to be confident with your team. You have to tell them that the mission is to go win, but you can't build it to a place that a loss sends you packing. Right. Because the next two are very important for what the ultimate goal is. And that's to stay in the conversation nationally of being a top tier football program as, as you build into recruiting season and, and portal season and everything else. And so, you know, I, I think you go back to the beginning of this year and you look at the way that publicly, at least the Alabama game or the approach to the Alabama game, they made it a big deal. They did not play up to what they hoped to play up to. And I think there was legitimate concern coming out of that game what was the response going to be? And 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 now this team again, they have proven to be resilient, and they they found their way in every game, even when you know things aren't going great. They they find a way. You go back to last year, and you look at the Alabama game when you have a chance to 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 extend the lead and potentially win a ball game late, and you drop it. You know you worry about do you do you lose it again the next week and and you could argue that was i mean that probably wasn't what put the gas in the accelerator for the kind of end of the season last year but it certainly factor. played a role yeah it was a, definitely a factor sure they 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 weren't ready you to know, play the next week and, and, and they so played I, an opponent that was and they, and they got popped and then 5 days later they kind of were still super flat and you had the Auburn rumor stuff, and I don't know all that stuff. And then State played an average game, and Ole Miss played a slightly below average game, and yep. you know the rest. I mean, it it happened. Yeah, and and, and it it happens, and so that that's part of it. So when you when you talk house money, it's not an admission of we don't have a chance to win. That no. that is not what Lane Giffen is saying, right? You are telling your kids. There's no reason for you to be anxious or nervous. You need to be confident and understand that, one, we believe you can play with them, and, two, regardless of whether anybody else does, you got a chance to go roll sevens just like everybody else, right? Yep. You, you, yep. I mean, you know, you, you can flip the ace, right? And, and, and if you don't, it's okay. We're not out anything because 
you know, right now, nothing is in Ole Miss's control, period. Yeah. Win or lose, they still need help to get yeah. the ultimate goal. A lot so, of so, yeah. for, Right. And so for them, you know, saying this is house money, it is a chance to tell your kids, go play just freaking chains off, nothing to worry about. Play your ass off for four quarters, and, and let's see where it falls. Yeah, and, get, and, and let's as a coach, play. let's go play. Let's go lay it all on the line. Let's give it everything we got. No holds barred. Let it go. And hey, guys, in three and a half hours, when we come back in here, let's just look each other in the eye. And go, hey, we did the best we could. We played. We we did, we gave it. We gave it our all. And if that's a win, awesome. And if it's not, let's go kick ULM's ass. Let's go kick Mississippi State's ass. Let's get a big bowl game. Let's tell the world that hey, we're here. And, st- and next year, we're going to be right back here. That's what you do. You just Absolutely. lay it all out and go, hey, let's just see what happens. Nothing well, and, and I think, too, you know, we, we you look at the Ole Miss-Alabama game, that, that was not a healthy Ole Miss team, offensively in particular. Yes, for sure. By any stretch of the imagination. Defensively still finding their footing. Um, but But they were a team that, to me, played tight. Lane Kiffin knows if they go play tight in Sanford Stadium on Saturday, it's not going to be close to anything that they want, right? And and so I I think I think that's part of his messaging. I think a lot of it too is respect for Kirby and mm-hmm. and what Kirby's done. And I know that's something you've talked about this week is Lane's experience at USC with their streak, at Alabama with their streak. You know he he, he has a relationship with Kirby because he knows Kirby. He's worked with Kirby. But he he knows what it takes to do what UGA has done, and he has a lot of respect for that. So, you know, I I think um, trying to balance that with getting your kids to just go play free and not be uptight, um, I think that's kind of the line that they're trying to walk this week. All right, I'm going to hand you the – controls here in just one second before i do i want to ask everybody are you ready to elevate your college football game day experience check out twisted tea your go-to game day beverage for college football fans twisted tea is unlike any hard beverage you've had before it's made with real brewed tea it packs a flavorful punch five percent alcohol no carbonation delivering the perfect balance of taste and refreshment that goes down smooth for every game day occasion there's no need to settle for the usual twisted tea turns up any occasion especially when you're cheering for your favorite team whether you're tailgating in the stadium parking lot watching at a bar or hosting friends at home twisted tea is there to elevate your game day experience it perfectly complements your love for college football and your passion for creating unforgettable moments so let's toast to unforgettable game day experiences with twisted tea the drink that fuels fun and celebrates your love for college football keep it Twisted. Pete, the floor is yours. Thank you. Um, you know, t- talking about this this UGA team and you know, l- looking at them and and you know, Lane joked all week last week with AM and talking about the the collective and and the talent that they've been able to accrue um in college station. But you know, Lord, what what they've been able to pull to Athens, Georgia has been extremely impressive and and on both sides of the ball. And I I was actually right before we started, I was scrolling their roster because as I, as I watch film, I would see names and I'll scroll down the roster. It's like, okay, 
how many of these guys have I coached against? Whether it was in the season in a scrimmage, seven-on-seven tournament, uh, padded OTA camps in the summer. And I was actually a little bit surprised at, at how many of them on the roster are guys that, whether they were young then and, um, you know, sophomores, but that I, I've seen in person and, and certainly some good players. And, and for them, it all starts defensively. Um, and, you know, Kirby has done a phenomenal job, not just with the talent that, that they've been able to acquire on the field, but on the coaching staff, you know, he, he's been able to both, um, both, build or you know I, I, it's probably not the right word but he's been able to develop some coaches and 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 help take guys that were already talented and already good at what they do and and just give them a platform to continue to grow and then he's able to take guys like Will Muschamp who have been in the profession for a long time and are highly regarded and and put them in role they're not even the play caller they're not the one in charge um and and they've really managed to be successful and so Kirby obviously has a role in what they do defensively. And so, so much of what they do and the success of this program over the past few years starts with the defensive side of the ball. So I, I kind of thought that that's where we would start. You know, um, the numbers I saw, they're ninth in the country in total defense, um, third in the country and third down defensive success rate. Um, they, they're They're clearly good. Now, their numbers aren't the same is what they've been in a couple of the previous seasons. Um, but by by no stretch of the imagination are, are they a poor defense. And I don't think anybody anybody believes that. You know, the the fact that they've turned over the amount of talent that they've sent to the NFL that has produced very early in their NFL careers in the past couple of years and still play at such a high clip really says a lot about the system, about the talent, about the coaches. All and I think when you when you hear Lane throw out all that praise early in the week in the press conference and 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 talk about the level of coaching there there's a lot to that you you don't turn over the number of guys they've turned over plug in young guys plug in guys that don't have a ton of experience and still get the numbers they're getting um, without doing a really great job in your staff room and in your meeting rooms. Um, and then obviously on the practice field as well. So we're going to start. We're going to watch a few clips against um, Missouri last week. We're going to go back and watch a couple of things from the Florida game. And I do think that there's some things that that stand out a little bit. Georgia is very multiple. They're going to give you a lot of different looks defensively. They're going to play zone coverage. They're going to play different man variations. They're going to give you different fronts. They're going to give you a mix of different pressures. They're going to play different personnel groupings. They, they can give you a lot to prepare for. Now, the big thing to me when you watch them play is, is one, they are massive. Now, so is Texas A&M. This group is extremely athletic. So is Texas A&M. But it's a little bit different in the way that I see it. Um, in particular, I, I think, you know, Georgia's length, on the back end, really the second and third level of the defense is really impressive. The way that those guys move are really impressive. And so some of the things I'm going to show you kind of highlight that. Some of the things are going to show you why I think Ole Miss can be optimistic about moving the ball and having some success against this defense. Um, and then some of it is just to highlight 
you know, how, how, how well coached, but also how freakish they can be. And so we're going to start out the gate, play one for Missouri. And Missouri is going to actually get into a situation where they're going to have a double screen and they're going to give the quarterback an option on each side of the formation. So he can hand the jet here. Okay. And really it's almost like a swing pass that he could throw to this motion receiver if he gets an optimal look right there. But they're really trying to work this, this swing into the boundary. But if you watch the UGA defense and you watch the reaction time in particular, you watch the defensive line, you watch Chaz Chambliss, a linebacker that's kind of plays a lot like a hybrid defensive end here. And you watch these defensive linemen and how quickly they recognize the release and go to retrace. Same thing, you watch the secondary support, you watch guys fight off blocks, you watch linebackers react. They do a phenomenal job of getting to the football. You can find success, you can find holes in the passing game, you can create some lanes in the running game, but they do a phenomenal job getting to the football and reacting to what they see. Um, You know, kind of skipping forward a little bit, one thing that I saw a ton in every UGA film that I watched, and I've I've watched parts of four or five of their games over the course of the last week, you see a ton of motion. Offenses are they're putting they're doing two things a lot. They're putting the formation into the boundaries. So they're putting the passing strength into the short side of the field, trying to get um certain coverage checks from UGA. You're also getting a lot of motion to, again, try to get UGA to adjust, try to make them communicate. And and all of those things are things that, that you see as everyday commonplace, not only in college football, but really heavy parts of the Ole Miss offense. So some little ways that I think there's opportunity to find success. One of the things that Georgia does a phenomenal job of is they do a great job on the perimeter defensively. Um Teams are not always overly successful trying to get the ball into the alley or on the perimeter with screens and things of that nature, but there's ways to do it. And so, you know, Missouri finds a creative way here. Um, they get in a formation. It's a formation that you see a lot of people do. Ole Miss does it now. They actually do it with pre-scorn, and they've been doing it, and they've done it with different guys. They've done it with Watkins. They've also done it recently since Watkins has had the the hand issue. They've done it with Harris as this kind of second tight end. And they'll use him as a blocker. They'll use him in some different things. And so what Missouri is actually going to do here is they're going to get in this unbalanced set. So this receiver is actually ineligible. Okay. So they're going to use both of these guys as blockers on the outside. They're going to split zone RPO with the tight end coming across Quarterback has the ability to hand the ball off to the tailback, and they're going to put this other tight end, who for Ole Miss will most likely, like I said, be a Trey Harris, um, somebody like like a Jordan Watkins, and they're going to get the ball out into the flat on that easy look right there. It's early down distance. It's an easy RPO, and it gets them into, you know, I think it's a five or six or gain, gets them into um, an easy uh third or second and medium situation into a probable third and medium situation, third and short. And so Ole Miss is going to have to find success in their RPO game, doing what they can to create leverage on the outside to find these free yards. 
because those are so many of the things that make the run game work for uh, for Ole Miss. Okay. The other thing that you'll notice as you watch this game, and you see it quite a bit late in this game for the Missouri offense, is when Missouri was able to get into their tempo, Georgia did not always handle it well. Okay. Here you see, and I'm showing this clip, not for the results of the play. It's not even really my my what I wanted you to see right here, but just you can see this is a third and two. Missouri goes tempo right after the second down play. And at the start of this clip, when it runs back, you know, UGA is still in, in a situation where they're trying to exchange bodies. They're trying to run guys on and off. They're trying to get the call made. And they're able to get them into a situation where they're a little bit lighter in the middle and they're able to use quarterback run to advance and get the first down right there. So, you know, we know Ole Miss likes to get into their tempo. One of the things that you saw as Missouri got into their tempo, when they were able to be consistent on first down and get into their tempo game, is I think you get a little bit more of a simplified version of the defense, which is not where Georgia necessarily wants to be. Um, but you can also catch them in situations where, whether it's getting the call late, communicating the call on the field at the same time, or getting players on and off like you see right here, um, you can find some ways to kind of manufacture some success against some elite talent. And that's one of the things that Kiffin talked about again in his press conference, right, is is you've got to find ways to do that. And he used the example of the Jordan Watkins play last week, which I actually looked for on film to try to show you guys. Um, and And I've got it, but even on the coach's copy, you can't see Jordan Watkins. Um, and I thought that, that showing you that without being able to show you him uh, wouldn't wouldn't really be what people want to talk about. We can do that later if we need to. Um, but the very next play, they come out, this first drive for Missouri, okay? So they come out here after they get the, the quarterback run on third down, going tempo, and they're going to come out, and they're just going to run what's a base concept for Ole Miss and has been a, kind of a, a big part of, of who they are um, you know, for several years. Now, they used a decent amount of stack formations against Georgia. Georgia's a couple of different ways that they'll handle these kind of stacked sets. Here, you can see they've got three over two. It's showing you that it's most likely some type of a zone look, okay? If you get two over two, they're tipping their hat. You know you're getting man-to-man. And Georgia has two primary ways that, that they will play uh, that coverage. If it's two over two, so let's say that this guy is not in the picture. He's in the box. He's back deep somewhere else. They can play what they call point, where the corner would be on the point man, and he would be man-to-man on the point man, and the safety would be man-to-man on the the second guy, the, the back guy, okay? The other thing they'll play is what's known as top hat, okay? And it's a mix-up you can interchange both if you if you're good and you work both. Top hat now is the corner is actually going to take the back receiver, and the safety is going to take the top receiver. And there's advantages to both. They they you know both they serve a different purpose um, a, a little bit. And Georgia actually will, will mix up both. They they have been playing a lot of top hat recently. I think they played a lot of top hat in this game. But here, by getting into the stack here, they're able to, one, kind of manipulate some routes, show some different releases to the secondary, but they're also able to show the quarterback early right here with two deep safeties 
Okay. It's either some type of a zone, some type of a cover two or cover four, or it's a two man. And a two man look is not going to be a pressure look. It's also not a look you expect to get on first down if you're uh, the, the Missouri offense right here. So what Missouri is going to do is they're going to fake the screen into the short side of the field. Okay. And they're going to release the receiver that acts like he's blocking vertical. And the quarterback knows right now, the corner's bailing, safety's over the top. He already knows I can take that off the page. Not going to be anything in my uh, my progression. Okay, With the stack over here, what they've chosen to do is they're actually going to take the outside receiver that's off the ball, and they're going to switch these releases. Okay, So this is best player on the field for Missouri, in my opinion, Burden, is going to take this outside stem. The underneath guy is going to work inside, and he's trying to work into the cross and fill the void left by this safety when he works over the top of the other vertical. As it plays out, you can see they get collisioned here. The mic gets underneath it. Cook does not like it. You've got safety over the top, mic underneath. There's a window to throw the football. But he knows because this safety is driving this crossing route, they now have a one-on-one with their best player. So they're going to take the shot and he throw he puts up a great ball. In Georgia, they're long, they're athletic, they're talented in the secondary. They're also a little bit inexperienced, right? And and so you have seen some teams have success down the field on these corners in particular because, you know, that they are fairly young um at certain spots in the secondary even though they are also very talented. Um, so that that's kind of how Missouri created their first touchdown of the play. Now, this is where, if you're Ole Miss, something you have to be uh, be able to account for. And if you watch the game last week, um, you see that um, you know it's something A and M's done. It teams have done this to Ole Miss. Georgia's done a great job with it this year, and it's something they actually highlighted during the game. And it may have even been before this clip. I'm not positive. And then as soon as they cut back to live action, it it all played out. But Georgia does a great job of moving their front pre-snap to show you one picture, change the picture, and try to get you to, to, to draw a false start and get you off sides. So they start here, and they're showing an, uh, their tight front. The three down linemen show the tight front, and you're going to see they're going the Mike linebacker is going to make a move call here. Okay, you can see the, the linebacker, if you're looking at this screen, I just took myself off of it. If you're looking at the screen, he's going to be the, the, the linebacker on the left, number two. He's going to make a, a loud, audible call, and you're going to see the entire D-line is going to shift, and an outside linebacker is now going to walk up to become a defensive end, and they're able to draw a false start from uh, Missouri's offensive line. So now Missouri goes from being first and 10, start of a drive, to first and 15, not where you want to be. Um, you know, certainly you can see if you watch the Ole Miss game last week, you can see the effect that penalties can have on an offense is it certainly slowed Ole Miss down through stretches of that game. But in the atmosphere Saturday night in Athens, um, at night, crowd's going to be on fire. If Ole Miss is susceptible to these pre-snap penalties, um, it is really going to kind of set the offense back. Okay. Now, Starting here, I'm going to show th- four consecutive clips from the game. Just uncut, 
four plays in a row from Missouri. This is where I think if you're Ole Miss, you have to have some confidence. It's also where if you're Ole Miss, I think you're going to have to be successful to win the football game. And that's that's running the football on this UGA defense. Okay. So this is a few snaps later um, after the one that we just watched right here. And you're looking at a first and 10 near midfield. And they're going to come out and they're just going to attack with an outside zone play. Okay. They get the cutback lane on first down. Uh, the, you know, the running back from Missouri, there's not a whole lot that's flashy about him, but he's tough as hell. Gets Schrader. behind his pads. Yeah, Schrader's um, a good player. Yeah, he's a very good player. So, but right here, they go from a first and 10 to, to a second and five. Okay. Allows them to stay in their offense. It's not a second and long. You're not allowing UGA to get into, you know, to a big pressure package. So now they're going to come out second and five. And they're going to go back, and they're going to essentially run the exact same play the other direction. They build the wall. Georgia misfits it a little bit. They get three more yards. So now you're looking at a third and two, okay? At this point, we all know Ole Miss, you're probably playing for two downs right here, okay? So they're going to come out again. They're going to motion the tight end in. They're going to get into a split zone look, get downhill, and run for the first down. It's three consecutive plays, 13 or 14 yards gain total. You're pushing towards the top of the red zone now, and you, you've you moved the sticks. And as much as, so I, now, as much as I like Schrader, he's not Quinshawn Judkins. He is not. He, yeah, no, he's he, he a good player, not, tough, tough, as, he, tough as nails, as you said, but but he's so, not. he doesn't have the vision and the speed and the, and the, the quickness that Quinshawn has. He will run you over as well as anybody in NCAA football. Yeah. But, no, the, the, the vision, the quickness – the ability to, to 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 arm tackles and just you know find the extra yards, it's not his thing. And so yeah. if you're Ole Miss, you know you have to the combination of what Judkins gives you, you have to feel good about. So they're going to come out the very next play. Okay, now you're first and ten. Okay, Georgia's you know still they're they're expecting run. They've hit you with a lot of runs. They're going to present them with the pass look now. Georgia's going to work a stunt. They're going to drop out into max coverage here, and they're going to hit them with the quarterback draw. We, you know, we something we really haven't seen a ton of from Ole Miss in a couple of games now has been quarterback draw, and I think part of that is because Dart hadn't been fully healthy, right? But I, I think you're going to see Dart run the ball on designed runs this week. They're, they they know they're going to have to, and and you know I, I think that they know that they can get certain looks. George has like been very. George has been really susceptible to quarterback runs this they, year. They, they, they have been. And uh... we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash blue wire. 
Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I do think part of that is because of what they're doing on the back end coverage-wise. I mean, they're they're playing a cover four look here and not adding extra hats to the box. And they're showing you this simulated pressure look, and then they're dropping guys out of there and, and really having to worry about getting to their landmarks and coverage. And it really opens things up a little bit. So as you watch this game, you see more and more of the same. Um, Missouri's ability to run the football with some success on early downs, I think played a role in keeping UGA a little bit base in their game plan. I also think after you, uh, Missouri got over the top early in the game, UGA said we're not going to let that happen again, and they chose to spend more time playing cover two and keep those safeties back, and it allowed Missouri to work some things underneath. Um, so I'll be curious to see that chess match play out on Saturday. Flipping script now, going to the Florida game, okay? Um, Florida, who, if you've watched this year, I mean, they're a little bit of a hard team to figure out, but the one thing you do know is they're not elite. Right? Their uniforms last week were not elite. Those uniforms the, last week sucked. No, the, yeah. I, 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 you wear those I things, stand, you deserve to lose, man. I will stand with you on that one. Ooh, that was bad. Um, but some of the same trends that you see in the Missouri game are some of the same trends you see in the Florida game. And I understand some of Missouri's game plan based on what you see in this Florida game. It's, I mean, if you look at some of the things we just showed, start in a stack, let them show you the coverage. Right now, you look at this, you are getting a one high coverage right here. They're playing either point or top hat. You know that right now. Motion across, you're going to force rotation the safeties are going to have to adjust. They're going to have to communicate things on the back end. And then Florida is going to come right behind it with a big play action shot. Now, he does a great job right here. Murray does a great job of getting through his progression right here. But this, again, this is not a scheme that's that's – only a Florida thing. It's not a scheme. It's just like everybody else, man. Everybody begs, bars, and steals. And so this is a concept that Ole Miss, by my count, ran three times last week against A&M. They're going to work the post here. He's going to be first in your progression, but really his job is to clear it out. They're going to switch release these guys. He's going to work this deep over route and try to get into the window that's just been cleared out. And if he's not open, in this case, the motion man is going to turn into this dig route on the back side. And from a quarterback perspective, you're up top to your crosser, back to your to your third layer in your dig. And then if you feel pressure, your running back or tight end, if they can get out, is going to become a release valve somewhere underneath and somewhere to try to help hold those Mike linebackers. So you can see here, play one, Florida's being aggressive. They go full play action right there, create the opening, create a big play on the first snap of the ball game. And so these are the things that, again, Ole Miss is going to use formation and motion to try to give Jackson Dart as many coverage indicators as possible. They're going to use the same motion to try and create some miscommunication on the back end. And I do think, I mean, Ole Miss is not going to change who they are. They are going to take shots. They're just going to have to be efficient with them. 
uh, to to win the ball game. Uh, you know, skipping forward just the very next play, Florida comes out. They go right back in their offense, and now they're going to come out and they're going to run an outside zone just like we watched Missouri do. Okay, and they're going to do it with motion again. They they started with a three man bunch to the top of the field, and they motion the tight end down to the bottom. <clears throat> Excuse me to add him to the formation, to the scheme. And now they're just going to run a little outside zone. And you can really see this better from the end zone copy here. But you can see the Florida offensive line does a decent job handling the front of this Georgia defense. And the truth is, if the running back fits here, he's got a chance to spit. Now, the linebackers play in this kind of lag technique with the ability to fall back in, and that's why you see the back get to the outside. Now, because it's outside zone, they take the outside receiver to go crack the safety, so the corner's actually unblocked. But if the back can get vertical here, you've got a chance at a big play, or if you can make that corner miss, corner does a good job, falls back in, lets the game. But you see the ability to create running lanes. You see the possibility of, 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 you know, finding seams in the defense to get chunk play on a first down to get, keep you out of those second and third and long, uh, situations. Okay. On third downs, uh, Ole Miss is going to get a ton of man to man and some of the, some of the, the low, points of the Ole Miss offense to me this season have been when teams have said, you know what, we're going to play man free. We're going to play cover one. We're going to press you on the outside. We're going to bring pressure more than you can protect with. And and there have been big plays now in games that Ole Miss has won, but there have been big plays, um, you know, in in the Auburn game, in the LSU game, and in, in every game where Ole Miss has been able to execute in those moments. And I thought they had a really good plan last week of trying to get into empty to kind of clear the picture a little bit for the quarterback, give him some easy isolated reads in these types of situations. But here, you know, if you get into a third and medium, UGA is who they are, and that is going to be a man-to-man pressure team. Now, again, there is talent on the outside. Understanding the scheme um, and being able to execute, there's still some space to be had. When you play cover one, and so when we when we call cover one, the way that most teams are going to play it is you're going to get one safety deep in the middle of the field. Sometimes you're going to get some type of a, what they call a rat or a low hole player that's going to be underneath. Okay, it's going to depend on how many guys you want to involve in the pressure. Everybody else is playing man to man technique. Well, your one safety is in the middle of the field. So from a technique standpoint, as a DB. You're going to funnel your guys inside to your help. If he wants to beat me vertical, it needs to be inside where I have help. So I'm going to shade his outside shoulder try to funnel him in. Florida does a great job right here just working a basic slant technique to get underneath right there um, and, and obviously create an explosive. But they do a good job. They, they, they're able to max out their protection right here in this formation. The running back does a very nice job. That's something we've seen Ole Miss running backs do very well throughout the course of the season. 
They, they're able to actually get their tight end out right here. Um, but they just hit this backdoor slant, and you, know, you give them a chance to catch and run. It's the type of play that a Jordan Watkins or a Wade or a Harris has a chance to turn into a big play. But they're going to have to do a great job of recognizing what they're getting, handling the protection, trying to stay out of five-man protections probably, and um, and really do everything they can to give Dart a clear picture of what's happening from a coverage standpoint. Pre-snap before the motion, okay, this safety is actually the deep player, and he's getting ready to come down and play this outside leverage man-to-man. But again, the use of the motion tips the hat immediately. The safeties have to change the responsibility. Merch knows now exactly what the coverage is, where to go with the football. The receiver gives him a good route, and they're able to convert. Okay. Um, you know, again, um, you know, Missouri, I think, took some things from this game from a game plan perspective. They ran a ton of weak side zone um, away from stretch, away from the tight end. Um, and they, you know, here they're going to use motion. They're going to try to delay some eyes, delay the fit of UGA. They're going to use motion and they're going to attack them out the back door on the stretch play. And you can see they're able to create a, a, a seam, um, for, for the running back right there. They change the picture formationally. They start in empty. They motion the tight end, the tailback back into the backfield. Now here comes the motion. UGA's got a pressure on. Here comes the backer off the backside, the outside, the safety. These guys are getting ready to rotate with the motion. It's going to slow down the fit of 24, who's going to try to run the alley late right here. And now they're able to get a big chunk play off of a basic run scheme. So, again, another nice job of just distracting eyes, getting yourself into an unloaded box. I mean, if you look at this right here, they have their five linemen to block four defensive linemen and one backer. And if you can do anything to hold the eyes or delay the second backer and the pressure kind of does it for them right here, there's opportunity to, to find numbers in the run game. Okay. And then this is the one that, that and, and you see some of the same in every game that I watched, but you know, when Ole Miss needs a play so often they get into this, what I call a zone stay, where it's going to be an inside zone look. They're going to work their combos. <clears throat> and they're going to leave this tight end on the backside, try and dig out the uh, the the backside defensive end right here. Again, they're going to use motion to try and affect the fit. They're going to get an aggressive blitz from UGA right there, and they actually blitz themselves out of the play in Florida, you know, a little bit later in this ball game trying to hold on after a couple disasters early in this game. Um, you know, they're able to get them in this cross dog. It's one that Ole Miss saw last week a good bit against A&M. It's one that they saw a ton against Vanderbilt and had success with. Now you're just doing it against different bodies that are going to be better than what you did against at Vanderbilt. But you can see here, it's a great job by 65 and 54 of handling the cross right there. Great job of the tailback and getting vertical running through the arm tackle and again the the use of motion affects the secondary support of the defense and they're able to create a big play so the key in so many ways is going to be Ole Miss's ability as an offense to stay ahead of the sticks and to avoid the disaster 
you you watch you watch the you know you watch last week you watch the Missouri game they are in that ball game until they throw an interception to a defensive lineman you yeah, watch the killer. Florida game and Florida yeah. chooses yeah it, it's at some point they're too talented of a team that if you shoot yourself in the foot <clears throat> it's a kill shot you're going to bleed out um and and you know you go back to the Florida game it, it's it's early, but it's got a chance. And then Florida tries their little trick play where they want to show quarterback sneak and they direct snap it through his legs to the tailback who then has a chance to to pass it and it turns into a turnover. Um, and then, you know, the very next play, I think, or two plays later, Georgia scores. And so you have to avoid those big plays against this UGA defense. Um, the UGA offense, in my opinion, probably doesn't get enough credit for, for who they are. And, and, you know, again, turned over a lot of players, lost some good players. Obviously they've been playing without Brock Bowers and there's all the, the speculation that certainly tends you to believe he's going to try to return on Saturday, but, you know, offensively, um, there's six in the country in passing offense with a first year starting quarterback. They're second in the sec. Um, they're, uh, third in the country and third down offense. Um, you know, they're scoring, um, or they're, they're, uh, you know, they're, they're something, I mean, they're, they're moving the football with a lot of success. Uh, they're fifth in the SEC in rushing. Ole Miss is fourth. There's like a hundred and something yards between the two teams as far as rushing yards. Um, they've given up the fewest sacks in the SEC. You know, I know that's something that I saw Chase talked about on your board today, talking about, uh, you know, about the quarterback and, you know, teams haven't gotten to him a ton. They've given up nine sacks. Ole Miss has given up 20. Um, now, I do think in a lot of ways, Ole Miss has been the most productive pass rushing team they've played to date. I don't know if Ole Miss has the best pass rushers they have played to date, if that makes sense. It does. Um, you know, UGA scoring 39 points a game. Ole Miss is scoring 38 points a game. You know, there, there's there's two good football teams you're going to be playing. And so when you look at this UGA offense, they do a really good job of being balanced, and they try to find isolated throws for the quarterback, and they try to give him some easy reads, and they do a really good job of it. They're not afraid to put it on his shoulders. They trust him in the RPO game. This is their first play of offense against Missouri last week. They're going to get into um, just a simple inside zone. He knows what his reads are. He's confident in his reads, and they're going to get it out right now. And he he does a good job of distributing the ball to to open guys. You can see it here. He knows where his read is. He's in the mesh. He knows now the ball is going to be out and they're going to put it behind them right now. Now, I spent a decent amount of time today trying to really find what defense most closely resembles the Ole Miss defense from a scheme standpoint. Missouri is a heavy man-to-man pressure team. It's not who Ole Miss is. Going back, I watched Florida. I watched Vandy. Um, I watched Auburn. You know, I, Ole Miss plays a ton of cover three. Um, I think Ole Miss is going to have to change the picture some in the secondary 
and they're going to have to be smart about it. They know what their players do best, and they've kept them out of certain situations for a reason. But I think Ole Miss is going to have to change the picture some, and if they try to spend the whole game in cover three, they're going to find them the way that Alabama was able to find them and attack the secondary some in in that old in that old miss game. Um so I, I think that's going to be a big thing is I do think Pete Golding maybe not even from a pressure standpoint but from a coverage standpoint is going to have to be a little bit more aggressive um uh, against this team. Okay. Um you know one thing that that they play a ton of players all over the field um, in this UGA offense. They'll rotate three guys at tailback. They'll, you know, obviously if Bowers is back, they like Bowers at tight end, but Oscar Delt plays a ton. Lawson Lucky plays a ton. They've got a lot of different guys. I don't think they're elite at tailback. I think they're really good up front. I don't think they're elite at tailback. They're good. Don't get me wrong. Um, But there are several clips that look like this. And I look at that and go, damn, that's what you want. I mean, that's stick your left foot in the ground, go get vertical right now, and then the play ends like this, where for whatever reason, he just misses the cut, doesn't see the cut. And and so the, the opportunity for the big play is there, and maybe they don't find it. Now, I'll say this. In every game I watched as games went on, they got better. They found the run schemes that were working against the defense. The running back started to see things. The O-line was picking things up. And by late in games, they have the ability to lean on you in the run game. They're and a much, I'll say this. They're a much better second-half team than they are first-half team. But Much better second-half. And, again, I think it goes back to what Lane's talked about. Some of that's coaching. Yeah. Right? They do a really good job, offensively in particular, of making adjustments and finding ways to attack in the second half. Now, I will say this. Everybody knows Bowers, his ability with the ball in his hands and the things he can do as a playmaker. He is really freaking good in the run game. And they have probably missed him. It's hard to say, but it's because he's so damn good last game. But they've missed him a ton in the run game. Um, almost as much as they've missed him in, in the passing game. And some of that has been because McConkey has stepped up and they've, they've all these different things, you know, kind of, kind of happened in the passing game, but he's really freaking good for them in the run game. Now, what Ole Miss needs out of Carson Beck, he is talented. He can make every throw. He has the big arm. He is athletic, but in every game, there's at least one miss. Now, what you don't see very often are the misses that result in turnovers, but there's misses. Okay. So just an example right here. Again, this is this is fifth play of the offensive game for for Georgia. They're gonna, you know, try to work this little, they throw so many screens, are so good at it. So they're gonna try to fake the screen and they're gonna try to slip Oscar Delp the tight end down the sideline. And he's wide open right there. Should be a nice little touch throw. And he he just overthrows him just a little bit. Now, Delp slows down a little bit. But even when you watch this from the end zone, the it just sails. It's just it's over his head. It's behind him, out of bounds. Doesn't have the touch right there that you want. You go back to the Auburn game. 
And there's one, I don't remember if it was Bowers or Delp, but they get him down the seam free and man-to-man locked up on the linebacker, and it's just over the head. And so if you're Ole Miss, you want some of those misses, and you want to try to take advantage of some of those misses. Obviously, if you're Georgia, you want to see those go away a little bit. You talk about the screen game uh, for UGA. They do a phenomenal job, like I said, and they have a lot of different ways of getting to them. This is a third and 15 in the red zone. It is a heavy screen scenario, period. Okay, One of their favorite things to do, and they'll do it out of empty, but they'll do it with the running back in the backfield, is they will throw a tunnel screen out here to one of these slot receivers. And the way that they do it is they're going to show you run action, the O-line, the opposite direction. Tackle's going to sit, and then he's going to go release. The center, they're going to pull the, the, the right guard. The center, the left guard, the left tackle are all going to act like they're blocking down. And then they're going to go, and they're going to build the wall for the receiver. Delp, in this case, is going to go kick out the guy that's over McConkey. Lad's going to press vertical, come back underneath. So they do a really nice job finding formations, finding ways to get to this, and they do a great job just executing right there. And so doesn't get them the first down, but they go from a third and 15 to a fourth and four, and now you've got a chance as an offense. Do I take the easy field goal? Do I play my fourth down? Right, They're really good, especially in the red zone. They threw a version of this screen two or three times in the red zone against Missouri. Um, and if they start to get a feel for when you're going to pressure, it's one of the first things that they'll pull out of their bag um, and, and and really try to attack you with in long down and distance, but also in the red zone right here. So you can see the action, show the puller one way, build the wall, and the backside suit for, uh, for Missouri is good, and then they're able to get the stop right there forced the field goal attempt, okay? So this is the other thing they do a really good job of, and it's, it's about giving him, again, giving the quarterback easy reads, okay? They show a bunch to the top or a stack to the top, and they're going to motion into a true bunch set, okay? And now what they're going to do is they're just going to clear it out. If he were to get a true press man-to-man something, he probably can alert this corner route by the tight end. They're going to take the outside receiver. He's going to clear underneath on some type of a drag route. And this guy that just came in motion is now, he's going to work an option route. He's going to let the other two guys get out of his way, and he's going to push vertical, and he's looking for who, who's who got me, who's defending me. If that defender's soft, he's just going to turn around and take the ball. This is a nice third and three. If that defender's inside, he can break out. If the defender's outside, he can break in. But it's a very simple read for the quarterback. You can still protect with six right here. And now you can see he realizes that he realizes the the coverage they're playing right here. That receiver realizes the coverage. Okay, they've chased the outside receiver. My tight end has kind of set the pick, so I'm just going to fall away and be open right now. Okay, it's an easy throw and catch right there that turns into an easy first down. They do a great job of finding these isolated throws for him where he can put his eyes on one guy. And, you know, certain coverages, I know it's going here. Otherwise, here's my eyes. This is where I'm trying to go with the football. And they do a good job working these route adjustments 
to get guys open in these situations. Okay. This is one of my favorite things that they do, and they do it several different ways. Something that's kind of become popular in the last couple of years is what a lot of people are calling a dash concept, which would be you put a quick game concept into the boundary. So you have a hitch slant speed out, something like that, that the quarterback has the ability to throw. The tight end typically stays in in protection. The tailback is going to fake across and come into the flat. If this route is open into the boundary, I'm going to throw it. If it's not, it's now going to turn into almost like a bootleg or sprint out type action where they've built some type of a flood to the field. Well, UGA does it, and they don't actually give him a backside route. He's going to look backside to try and hold linebackers and safeties, but there really isn't anything back there for him to throw to. Here, they're going to use the motion. They're going to bring the receiver across the formation, and now they're just going to get into a basic flood. The guy that just came in motion is going to try to clear everything out with the vertical, this receiver for the condensed split has now become the number two receiver where he was the number one receiver. He's going to release inside, push vertical into the cell route. They're going to bring the drag from the backside. Tailback is getting out in the flat. And instead of pulling an offensive lineman like teams used to do, okay, they're going to let this tight end essentially be the pin player now. So you can see here the quarterback is looking to the boundary even though there's nothing for him to throw to. And now he's going to get out of that, and he's going to boot to the field. They've cleared everything out. And this is an example of one of those misses where <clears throat> they're still able to, to be successful. It's still a completion. The receiver goes and makes a good play for him. But you can see if he can if he can just give him a better ball here, they've actually got a, a huge play waiting to happen. But he throws it a little rushed. The ball is a little bit behind. 84 has to go down and get it, makes a great catch. But it's a, they've used this scheme. I've watched them do it in three different games from three different formations, with motion, without motion. It's a great way. And if you're an Ole Miss team that plays cover three, and that's kind of one of the things I wanted to talk about. So if you're an Ole Miss team that plays cover three, which is exactly what Missouri ends up in in this snap, this type of concept is a type of concept, if I'm Georgia, I'm scripting early and often in this game. Because cover three tells me that this corner has to defend the deep third and I can clear him out with my vertical route. Okay. My flat defender here has to respect the back getting out in the flat. And if he does, I've just created this huge void for 84 on the cell route. If my flat defender plays with depth to stay underneath my cell route, I'm open in the flat. And if for some reason the corner in cover three, comes off to take the sell route, your vertical ball now is out leveraged to safety. So if you're going to rotate and play any type of one high structure and play cover three, this is the type of thing that I expect to see UGA employ a lot um, against the Ole Miss defense. Okay. Um, again, screens. Ole Miss is going to have to do they've done a better Ole Miss has done a better job against perimeter screens this year than they have done in a long time. And they're going to have to really be great at it on Saturday because UGA does a phenomenal job. And even here, I mean, they, they don't even block the right guy. And four's got, got 84 dead to rights. And the kid is freaking good. 
and just finds a way to, you know, turn it into an absolute big play. So Ole Miss is going to do a phenomenal job in all the different screen variations um, that they're going to get out of this Georgia offense. And then I really just have a couple different things to show you a couple more plays, okay? And again, getting back to another variation, this is different than the concept from a a protection standpoint that I just showed you, but attacks and structurally gives you the same thing as the defense, okay? And so you see, again, Missouri's getting into cover three right here, okay? They are going to push and they're going to clear out with this receiver. The inside receiver now is getting back into my cell route, Okay, what changes now here is this. Instead of giving him a drag from the backside, they've given him this one-on-one beater. As soon as he sees the rotation, he's going to go backside and work the stop route to his single receiver. Had they not rotated, if he did not like the one-on-one on the backside, what they give him on the front side of this is actually really freaking cool. Okay, so you'll see this as I let it play. He's going to take the one-on-one. He's going to throw the stop route. They go from a first and 10 to to an easy completion, gets them into a second and short, okay? But if you watch down here to the field and you see what's happening, they've given him a pass concept and a screen to the same side. They they swing the tailback out to the flat, and they lead with the tight end as a blocker. So now as a defense, you're having to deal with a vertical threat, this sail route, a lead blocker with a swing behind it. And if you give them the one-on-one matchup on the backside with the cushion, an easy throw for conversion. They like to do this, again, with motion, without motion, from different formations. But if you see Brock Bowers on Saturday, if he's going to play meaningful snaps uh, in this offense, they like to do this with him as this receiver with another tight end out in front blocking for him because it's a great, easy way to get one of the best playmakers in college football uh, with with the ball on his hands. And then kind of the last thing, and just kind of a tip of the cap here, is people do not always love Mike Bobo. He was not always loved the first time he was in Georgia. Not even a little bit. People weren't in love with him. Not even a little bit. <laughs> uh, people weren't necessarily thrilled when he got handed the reins this year, um, and even early in the season, people weren't entirely thrilled. But Bobo does a really good job of keeping them in their offense, finding creative ways to do it. And one of the best things that they do is attack the middle of the field. And the numbers for the quarterback show it. So right here, they're going to shift into this empty front. Now, they'll do this a lot. This is number 86 in the backfield. They will hand him the football but they will motion him out a ton to use in the passing game and get into these empty sets. So when you break the huddle as a defense here and you're Pete Golding and you're trying to establish what's my call, well, this is Oscar Delt starting tight end with Bowers out. This is Lawson Lucky, the other five-star tight end they have on the roster, right, not named Brock Bowers. You've still got two receivers on the outside and 86 who you know – lines in the backfield often. So it presents as a 12P formation where you're possibly thinking run situation, run personnel, maybe because you recognize it's 86 at tailback, you start thinking pass, but we're still presenting 
two tight ends. So they're going to get into uh, just a variation of Y cross. So they're going to bring the motion right there to, to fake the jet. They're going to bring seven across in protection to, again, so you're given all sorts of eye candy now to all of these linebackers. And that's what you're trying to control right here. You need them seeing and biting on that eye candy because your goal is to open up this intermediate space here in front of Joe Charleston, who's my starting safety for three games as a freshman until he broke his arm um, and now plays for Missouri, went to Simon Clemson, now at Missouri. But anyway, um, you're trying to affect those two guys. And so with the jet motion by 86 and seven coming across, O-line all sliding left, you're now creating a situation where these guys have to step up and that allows four to now release right down the middle into an easy void for an easy throw and catch. I think this is where UGA has done a good job in the past in general, but this is where Mike Bobo deserves his due because he finds really good ways to get their playmakers the ball in space and he finds really good ways to protect their base concepts. Um, and, and a lot of hats off to him. And so, you know, defensively, Ole Miss is certainly going to have to play their best game of the season, in my opinion. And offensively, if Ole Miss can effectively run the football and avoid disaster, I think it has a chance to be an exciting night in Athens. What's your gut tell you? How's it, how's it play out? I, I mean – my gut says Ole Miss has a chance to go play a damn good football game. Um, I would lean towards it being a close game that Georgia wins, um, but that doesn't mean that Ole Miss can't win the ball game. I, in in many respects, I think that Ole Miss is the best team Georgia's played to date. Um, I can tell you that I can there tell have you been several inside, teams that have had. I can tell you, Pete, that people inside the building in Athens believe that Georgia is the best team that Ole Miss is that Ole Miss is the best team that Georgia has played to date. Yeah, I, I, I think so too. And I think that – I think if Ole Miss were any better on defense, yeah. and and that is not to knock what Goldie's – then there's a real shot, right? With, with them being a little inconsistent on defense, you know – you have to give Georgia their due and 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 kind of what they've done. So, but but it certainly um, Saturday night in Athens. I mean, it it's it should be a rocking stadium. They do not get a ton of night games over there. When I was with Ole Miss and traveling, we played them one night game there that I recall. Probably it actually started in the afternoon, finished at night. Um, and and I was not ever blown away by the atmosphere in Athens. It wasn't. Bryant Denny to me, it wasn't Jordan Hare. It sure as hell wasn't Baton Rouge to me. But it is going to be a packed house full of a bunch of dogs that at some point in the last few years decided barking at people in public was an acceptable thing to do. Um, and, and they're going to be barking on Saturday night, you know. Yeah. So Ole Miss is going to have to withstand that atmosphere. And, um, and if they can limit turnovers and just defensively get a stop here and there, they're going to have a shot to win the game. Should be a lot of fun. We've been brought to you by Riverland Roofing. Again, uh, they've got you covered if you need an inspection, a new roof, a maintenance program. They're a GAF, Master Elite Contractor. They offer warranties that last a lifetime. They're licensed. They're insured. 
They service Mississippi and the surrounding states, so give them a call at 662-644-4297. Win or lose, we'll be back this time next week. We'll take a uh, – Pete's going to break down slalom, dropping a ski, uh, the uh, difficulties of Bayou de Seard, the Washita River. We're going to dive into some water skiing. We're going to talk about uh, facing the difficulties of facing an Ivy League institution like the University of Louisiana at Monroe. We're going to really talk about academics. We're going to talk about a lot of that kind of stuff. We're going to really dive into what it takes to beat an academic power on this show next. Listen, week. I, I've been studying the old school. The uh, I've been studying the old pyramid that they do on skis. Like I, I you know, I, I, I'm just. I we need to be prepared for you know them yeah. to pull that out. Yeah, we're going to talk about the ski jump because, hey, you don't know whether ULM is going to break out on like third and 27, a ski jump where they bring a boat out and they, they run the boat and they, they ski jump over the defense and land on the other side and score a touchdown. I mean, it is the kind of play that's the reason that ULM has won 20 national championships in water skiing. But again, 20 national championships in water skiing. And, and not everybody... I mean, how many how many championships does Ole Miss have in, in water skiing? They they don't have twenty. I'll tell you that. So it's going to change that game at eleven a.m. on uh, SEC Network next week in Oxford. Should be a lot of fun. I mean, it's a free shot for Ole Miss this week in Athens. It's fun. Should be a great game. We'll have post game coverage at uh, MPW Digital. We'll have the uh, post game show presented by Dead Soxy immediately after the game. We'll have coverage at RebelGrove.com as well. So. Uh, Hey, Pete, this has been a lot of fun. It was great stuff today. Thank you. Thank you. Always enjoy doing it. For uh, Pete Deweese, I'm Neil McCready. Until next time, that does it for Pete's Pigskin Preview presented by Riverland Roofing. I will, Like I said, we'll be back next week. We'll preview ULM at Ole Miss and uh, talk about what happened in Athens one way or the other. Until next time, take care. It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com.